This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I turn to three people and say, hey, we have to begin to deal with family guans. Sometimes it's not easy. Tell somebody. Go ahead and take your seats and then bring your attention to the screens real quick. Alright guys, thank you for being here. Let's uh, take our faces. Wait, wait. Oh my God, I need to get this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I made it. Wait, wait, wait. I made it. No. I am fine. Can I please get my phone back? No, mom, this is not happening. I just bought them, okay? Can I get a review? To be honest, the holidays, I didn't think what I want, so I, I'm done. Like, I really, yeah. No. Oh my God. Okay. This is your grandmother. <laughs> well, uh, I've been looking forward to uh, doing this series for quite a while, and we're talking about some very, very important ideas. Today we're talking about the red couch. The red couch. Now, what is the red couch? Well, uh, the red couch is helping us deal with contemporary issues, issues that your children, that our families, that our nation is facing, and that we don't always like to talk about. Why do we have a Family Guan series? Well, because God wants to build strong churches, strong communities, and a strong nation. And you can't do that without strong families. The problem today is that many of our families are allowing Google social media, or all kinds of other sources to speak to us, and we're not speaking one to another. We think that our children are going to be trained by schools, by the government, by education through some outside force, but God gives that responsibility to us as families. And so today, we're going to be tackling some uh, topics that uh, may be taboo in some churches, Things that some people, maybe some of you may say, I'm not sure we should talk about those things in church. But I've come to the understanding as I've pastored now for 40 years that uh, some things, if we don't talk about them in church, are not going to get talked about. And so we're going to create an atmosphere today where uh, we're going to be speaking to you about issues that maybe you don't talk about but should be talking about around your dinner table. Some of your six-year-olds know more about this than you do. And uh, what we're talking about is something that Pastor Tommy and the cross-culture team and Pastor Lincoln and Milton uh, put together quite a few years ago and we're taking out to our university campuses. And we've modified it for our families today uh, to talk about issues that are challenging us, things that we're facing uh, and I think it's time for us to unpack these things. I think it's time for us to face some of these issues. And uh, so as we begin, I'm going to have some people help me today. Uh, Pastor Lincoln and Pastor Milton are going to help me. But as we begin uh, today, uh, I'd like you to watch this video. And this will be setting us on the course for the Red Couch today.
As we begin this morning, I'm just going to ask for some help. Houston, uh, if you could help me out at this point. Houston, randomly look for, please, congregation, please uh, cooperate with us. Uh, please say yes. Practice, say yes. yes. Good. Houston, please, can you identify three random people and ask them for their cell phones? A, they've already said yes, so please ask for their cell phones. Don't hide your phones. <laughs> Wow, such cooperation, yeah. Okay, I saw someone breathing out right there. <laughs> Houston, if you, could, if you could take these directly to multimedia, um, ask multimedia, to, uh, you may need to go back in case they've got codes or anything, ask them to unlock them. We just need to, to do a sample, we just need to do a sample. So take them to multimedia, and then if you need anything, you... You know, this morning, I want to give us a scripture. In our daily Bible reading today, Proverbs 25, 28. <laughs> As Houston makes his way, I see some nervous faces here. <laughs> the scripture says this, a person with no self-control is like a city broken down without walls. You know, the purpose of today's presentation is to really begin to address the aspect of such a much-needed uh, bringing back of self-control, bringing back of just controls, you know, sometimes we have guardrails. The guardrails are not there to, to make us feel like, you know, we're restricted, but are really there to protect us and protect our families. You know, some of the things that we're allowing, I'll even speak for myself, into our families, we have to really take a closer look and say, are we really allowing the right things? Have we let those walls, you know, I think of this scripture, I think of in the old days, you know, those movies you would see, cities were fortified with walls, and there would be men who would be posted on top of the walls and would be looking out and would make sure that, you know, the enemy, if they were creeping in, they would be able to spot them from afar. But how many of you know that those walls were also there to protect the city from any enemy that would try and breach? And so those walls would actually ensure that the enemy couldn't just penetrate. And it's the same way the Bible is saying we are those cities. We are treasures. We have a precious commodity about us, and we have to ensure that we protect ourselves. So really, that's what we want to address this morning. You know, it's interesting how far we've become. I know if we show this picture, uh, a, lot of, a lot of ladies, even a lot of young girls, are looking forward to that day, or they remember that day, their wedding day, with such fondness and with such joy. This is really the primary unit of a family, but take a look at this. I, I, I actually see some people going, and you're going, ah, oh. but isn't it interesting that we've been so desensitized that when you watch a, a film or a movie and the first scene with this comes on, you, you have that same reaction, ah, oh. right? Then when you watch it again, maybe you just look aside and you're like, but when you watch it the third time, you're like, and then now, when these two are about to break up, you're like, eee, I hope they don't break up, I hope they don't break up, you're now actually supporting them, you know? <laughs> We used to be defined by anatomy, not by feeling to say I'm a man or a woman. But now it seems like the world is leading us to a place where we can decide as we go to say today I'm, I feel like a man, tomorrow I can feel like a female. I want to use a, a bathroom today, I'll use the female bathroom, tomorrow I'll use the male bathroom. You know, Romans 1.27 says, likewise also the men, likewise also men, leaving the natural use of women, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. You know, lust is, in, is insatiable. Yes. You may start going there, but things are getting worse. And it keeps progressing. So we see this erosion in society as it continues. And so let me show you a picture. If you look at this picture, you'll think, oh, that's sweet, right? Little girl with a doll. But guess what? Society is progressing. We saw that picture. Let's look at the next picture. This is now creeping in even into Zimbabwe. They're called sex dolls. So men are saying, you know what, it's not just good enough to have a men and man relationship. It's not just good enough. You know, this lust is so insatiable that you get to a place where you start saying, you know what, I need to have a partner that doesn't speak back to me. <laughs> yeah? That doesn't tell me, you know, today I don't feel like it. Today, you know. No, this sex doll does exactly what you want. And again, so the progression continues. You know, sometimes you, how many of you have dogs? How many of you have dogs? Yeah, yeah, you like to walk your dogs, right? You like to take a walk with your dogs. 
But now look at what people are doing with the animals. You know, in 1953, in 1953, there was a release of a magazine that a lot of people know, the Playboy magazine. And when that, that was the first ever issue, that was the cover. And there was commotion, there was lots of noise around. How can you put a naked woman in front of us in a, in a supermarket on a shelf? And that was the naked woman that is being told of. But some people actually go to work dressed less than that woman now. We're going to show you a blurred picture of what a 2007 edition looks like. That's 2007. We couldn't even go beyond 2007 because it would get messy in church today. <laughs> the Bible tells us that in the last days, there will be perilous times. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, Haughty lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but lacking the power thereof. And you know, guys, the Playboy magazine, of course, we know that that used to be out there. This is mild today compared to what is happening. What concerns me the most, though, is that these photographs, these pictures that would have shocked us back when Playboy came out or, or would have been something that would have been censored, are now just commonplace. In fact, in Zimbabwe, we put it on our newspapers. Newsday. That's, that, this is, this is, you, your, your children see this. This is on our newsstand. This is one of our leading newspapers in the country. And every newspaper seems to have more and more women, especially women being exploited by undressing them in public. I don't think that we're too far off from having totally naked women being exploited on our newspapers. There's something wrong with our society, and I think we need to be very, very, very careful. Uh, not only do we allow it in our newspapers, but now at our trade shows, we have stands for sex workers where they can advertise, where they can talk about their trade. We don't call it prostitution anymore. We're changing terms. We're changing definitions. And we're desensitizing ourselves to the problems. We do things in the open now where we used to do it in secret or we used to do it privately. Um, we have become so desensitized with our televisions that what used to be something we wouldn't watch, we now have lowered the standards so much that what is now PG-13 is full of sex, nudity, language, and violence. And I wouldn't have watched this as an R-rated five years ago, ten years ago. Now it's crept in. The, the bar has been lowered so low that, uh, well, I don't even know what to say anymore. And Pastor Tom, you know, Zimbabwe keeps making headlines. In fact, there was a headline that Zimbabwe is in the top 30 of porn users in the world. What an amazing headline to make. 30, top 30. And you know, Google has this stat, one in every five, okay? One in every five searches, who wants to guess? One in every five searches is what? Porn related. So if I were to just count front row, one, two, that's okay, you know. <laughs> But, but it's interesting that, you know, that's how, how crazy it's gotten that one in every five, it's, it's a Google stat, every search is porn related. You know, in Zimbabwe, we, 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 we know data. How many of you know data, all right? You know, you need to make sure your phone has data. But what are we using our data on? You know, there's this clip I want us to just quickly look at, which really, you know, if you, if, 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 just, if you look at it closely, I think it will make a little more sense. Just take a look at this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, please give me data. I promise I'll use it wisely this time. I'll make a drink now. Don't 
So we're willing to use our data, 50% of his data. We saw what was wasted on possible. And the fact of the matter is that in Africa, the, the, the Africa-wide standard for data, data use is 65% of all data is used for pornography. In Zimbabwe, it's higher. 68% in Zimbabwe is used for pornography, is used for things that you probably shouldn't be watching. So what are our kids watching? What are you watching? Pastor Tom, you know, as we've gone on to these campuses and we've spoken about porn, I found that we don't get as much a response when we talk about porn because porn kind of sounds like, you know, it's a bit white collar. You know, you can, I can even come and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm sorry I'm late. I was just watching some porn. You know, I was having some popcorn. I was watching some porn and I tore my shirt. My shirt is now torn. Porn. But the truth is, <laughs> when we begin to go down and say, Ay, waka, porno, it becomes different. <laughs> You know, it's very different. <laughs> so, 65% of all data use is on porno. <laughs> and what's interesting now is that there are certain things that are called night bundles. Night bundles, where there's a bundle from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. <laughs> Pastor Tom, that contributes to the 65%, because from 10, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., email. Mm, no. You know, I want you to see this picture, then I want to tell a story. This picture, who wants to guess? So let, me, let, me, let me tell a story, paint a picture here. Because let me say the statement first. Some habits don't just die. So let's call this man here, let's call him Joe Blog. Joe Blog, 15 years old, he's in school, high school, he's got his friends. You know, he's, 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 he's grown up in a family, a Christian family. But he gets into high school, gets into boarding, and his friends begin to peer pressure him and say, you know what? This, this, you know, this porno pornography, and let me tell you, it's exciting. And he first tries to push the boy, he says, no, I don't want to watch that, you know what, I've been trained better. But eventually he gives it, he says, okay, let me just see a glimpse of it. So he watches his first pornographic, uh, you know, video. And he looks at it and he says, you know what, I'll never do this again. He walks away from it. Two weeks later, you know, something stirs up in him and he says, man, I want to just catch another glimpse of that. So he watches it again. The second time, he then watches it a third time. Fourth time, but now he's hooked. But in his mind, he says, you know what, this thing is going to disappear. You know what, when I get out of school, you know, I, I won't struggle with pornography. I won't struggle with masturbation. Because you know what, when I leave school, it's going to be okay. So, fast forward, he leaves school, uh, goes through college, passes his college, but this habit doesn't disappear. He finds his beautiful wife, he gets married. She, it's, 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 it's a perfect, beautiful wedding. But guess what? The habit didn't go away with marriage. Because sometimes we think things just disappear with marriage. And so he's now married, but occasionally when his wife is sleeping in the midnight hour, he slips out of his bed. He goes into his study. He begins to watch some pornography. On this particular night, he's now got a seven-year-old daughter. Who, has, who happens to have a nightmare and she wakes up. She's on her way to her parents' room and she sees a light coming through the study where her dad is. She opens the door, walks in, and finds her dad. And that's the picture that you see there. Because some habits don't just die. And unless we begin to deal with these and confront them, these things will carry on into our marriages and they'll end up destroying our marriages. Romans 6 verse 16 says, Know you not... That whom you yield yourselves to, you become servants to. His servants, you are to whom who they, you know, his servants, you are to whom ye obey, whether of sin or unto death. And so these things we find, Pastor Tom, can actually lead us to a place of death. The Bible tells us that we must abstain from all appearances of evil. That's First Thessalonians 5. And you know, dealing with young, young people, the question is always, how far? Is too far. And there's this thing where it's like, oh, no, no, we, all we do is this, we, we, we don't. And now there's a phenomenon of sexting. 
we, 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 we are separate, but we are sexting. We just, we're not having sex, we're just texting about sex. So we're sexting. You can see that. <laughs> that man there. The interesting thing is that this is becoming a, a trend. This is becoming very, a very real issue. You read in newspaper, adverts, in newspaper articles about how when people break up, someone now posts nudes, and we've had some university students commit suicide because now their nudes have reached their parents because of an aggrieved ex-boyfriend. This is something that we really need to you know, drive out and ensure that we maintain who we are and we don't go into sexting. You know, when, once you start on this sexting, really, Pastor Tom, you, say, you talk about the dynamite, that once you light the dynamite, if you, you can switch it off, but the rope is now shorter. The next time you start again, that's where you will start. Mm -hmm. And then it goes worse and worse and worse. And the scripture says that we're to avoid every appearance of evil. It also says in Matthew 5, 27, it says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks upon a woman to lust after has already committed adultery in his heart. The fact of the matter is that, and Pastor Bonnie was so accurate last week when she gave, or two weeks ago when she gave her message, where if you see it to your mind, it doesn't mean any difference. You see it, you do it. In your mind, it's like doing it. And, you know, that doesn't mean that uh, you should go out and do it because you saw it. What it simply means is that there's a trigger in our minds, and we need to be very, very careful of what we see. We need to put a guard on our hearts and minds. Now, we were just talking. We're, I, I think this is pretty informative. I think it's important. But, you know, sometimes we have to get it down to the personal level. Sometimes you just don't get it until we make it really, really personal. I've warned you. I've talked about this many, many times. I said, listen, I'm going to sometime take your Facebook postings that you give to the whole world. I'm going to show them in church. I mean, you show them to everybody else. So I've done that. I've taken three phones, and I'd like to show what we have off those phones. Just, I mean, you know, I think it's fair, don't you, to just show what's on those? Oh, okay, well, try the other phone. Oh, all right, try the other phone. Okay, maybe another social media platform. Ah. Did you actually think I would show somebody stuff? But you know what? How would you feel if I did show what you show? You know, I watch some of you. I, I know some of you from the church. And you come up and I, and, I, and I don't do Facebook very much anymore because I get embarrassed. Yeah, hey, I see this and I think, ah. <laughs> and some of the comments that you make, just think about what you're saying. I think we need to be wiser than we than we are in this area right now. Now, uh, one of the things that we're aware of is that when you do have sex with someone or when you do give part of yourself away or you do take on somebody else, to, to, you know, have a relationship with somebody else, there's what's known as a transference of spirits or a transference of their soul into your soul. You, you, you begin to partake of something that is inside of that person. And... You know, we don't like to talk about this a lot, but that's why so many of you go into marriage broken. And for example, we use an example sometimes of drinking water. But, you know, a little bit of dirt in water, you know, it's what? It's okay, isn't it? So if you have a relationship and you have a residue left from that relationship... But then another relationship, and there's a residue left with that relationship. And, and that, what I'm saying is that, that, that each of those glasses of water gets a residue in it. Eventually, by the time you drink or you marry, what does it look like? Each time, there's something left from somebody else in your relationship. I don't know if you ever have grandchildren, but that's kind of what it, things look like. When you have four grandchildren and each one wants to share out of your glass. <laughs> well, the point, of the, the point I'm trying to make is that there are some things that you bring with you every time that you violate yourself physically with someone else. Every time that you soul tie yourself to another person. And we have a little skit here we'd like you to see. Maybe you can help us here. Please come out. So let's give these guys a hand as they come out. So we have Brother Gildredge, 
and his soon-to-be wife. So you can stand up here. This is a beautiful day. It's your wedding day, right? This is exciting. You know, Gildred, you've kept yourself. You've, you've really, you know, you serve in cross-culture. You're excited. You too, you serve. But you know what? There's, there's, there's a bit of a past. You know, there's things that have happened in your past that maybe Gildridge is not aware of. But this is your wedding day now. But guess what happens? Together, the priest is standing, is already about to read out the... But guess what happens? Someone comes out of the wings. Now, here's Brother Joe. And Brother Joe, if you remember him, do you remember him? Yeah, you remember him? You remember that day? It just happened once. But Brother Joe was there. But you know what? Brother Joe doesn't come alone because Brother Joe also has Sister Helen in his life. So, Brother Joe, remember with Sister Helen? You remember that? Yeah. Remember in in the backseat of the car? So, Sister Helen. But Sister Helen is as sweet as she looks and she looks so sweet and innocent. You know, there was that one day when you were in high school and you just said, you know what? And so, uh, out comes uh, Brother Casanova, you know. (laughs) Brother Casanova. And so you can see how the trail, if you, the rest of you can come. But Brother Casanova also comes. And so, as much as it's these two standing, like what Pastor Tom was illustrating with the glass, as much as it's these two standing, it's not just you standing. There's this whole trail that is following you. And so as we marry you, there's all this baggage that comes with this relationship. And sometimes, unless we begin to deal with this you know, you get into your marriage and you wonder why there isn't just that connection. But it's because there are certain things, like what Pastor Tom was saying, ties to the past. Thank you, guys. You can go and take your seats. Thank you. So, you know, the scripture is very, very clear. It says, drink water from your own sister. <laughs> but, and, and, you know, it's, it's not talking about water, folks. It's talking about husbands are supposed to drink from their own wife and wives are supposed to drink from their own husbands. God doesn't want you to have your seed or your water sprinkled all over. The Bible is very graphic, I have to tell you. It's very, very important you understand that. And uh, the Bible also makes a very important statement here in Corinthians. It says, uh, do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. One flesh. See, what you view, what you see, leads to actions. What you act upon leads to a violation of your own soul and eventually defiles many. And that's where we get the teaching on iniquities. Iniquities are passed down generationally. I think we need to be very, very wise and very, very... The world makes it look like, hey, there's nothing wrong with this. Don't worry about it. I think we need to be very, very wise and very, very careful. Amen, Pastor. I think that, that the Bible could have even said, drink water from your own cistern, you know. <laughs> Brethren and sisters. Pastor, one of the things about going to South Africa is that you can walk into a car dealership and they don't know where you've come from. They don't know that you only have bond, bond notes. Uh, you walk in there and you say, you know what, I would like to try, take this car for a test drive. They will allow you to take that car on a d- test drive. You will drive it as you wish. And then when you come back, if you decide that I want to buy this car, the interesting thing is that you do not buy the car that you have been using and testing. They actually will give you a car and you will begin to change and you will remove the plastics off the car and everything. At some point, they will sell off the demo models at a discount. They will say anyone and everyone who has appeared here, both those that could afford and couldn't afford, have had liberty to drive this car (laughs) at a major discount. (laughs) All terms and conditions apply. (laughs) So the fact of the matter is, you know, we're changing terminologies, we're changing attitudes towards sexuality, and we're having a, a... we're really having a struggle even as it begins to move into the church. You know, Christianity has become infiltrated. And you know, there's even terminology now that kind of has gone into the world that really stems out of the church. How many of you are blessed? Say, I'm blessed. 
well, you know, I, 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 I didn't know what that meant until I went to South Africa and I met somebody and they said, oh, I want you to meet my blesser. <laughs> well, I thought the Lord was the blesser. You know, I was pretty naive and I said, what are you talking about? Oh, no, I have a blesser. What's a blesser? Anybody know what a blesser is just? A, well, uh, uh, the, the phenomenon is that a blesser is just another name for a pimp or, a, or another name for a, uh, somebody who's using a woman for his own intent. And she's prostituting herself so she can be blessed by a blesser. It's still prostitution, no matter how you cut it. Oh, he, but he just, I'm just there for him. The blesser. Well, uh, this is kind of weird, but it's creeping into our whole society. And I'm not sure that it's really a blessing. Look at this picture. I mean, this is a, this is a famous picture from the owner of the Clippers in America and his, I don't know what she is. I, I think it's his girlfriend or his wife. I'm not sure. But this is not a great combo. I guess if you can afford it, you can do it, right? But guys, we're painting pictures. We're doing things that I don't think are, are very, very healthy. The Bible says this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. Let's watch the Blesser video. Lady, when you ask a number, he tell you straight away that he, I can't give you my number for free. You need to pay tax before you get it, or you need to show me, you understand, that you can do certain things before I give you the number. Why I feel I need to do things for the girl? Because if you don't do it, you, you, you'll never be around them. I'm telling you most of 75% of women in this country, without money, there's no love. Amanda says all she has to do is to be on call 24-7 for her blesser. I just need to be there when he needs me. I have to be there. I can never say I'm too busy. Because when I need something from him, he cannot tell me the same thing. I guess I was too busy. I was too busy. More about busy. You understand this thing, John? It's a lifestyle former sushi king Kenny Konani used to lead, but is now critical of. This time around, I decided... Yeah, I would rather call it pimps and prostitutes, PMPs. That is not a... We can't put it on that line. The prostitution line, we need to put on those girls standing in the street. Because the action is the action of a prostitute. But once it becomes a transaction, there's no blessing, there's no blessing. It's a pimp and a prostitute. Let's, let's just be clear on that. Konene says blessed women are after what they call... It used to be a phenomenon where there would be sugar daddies, but now we have what are called Ben 10s. It's really a cougar where the woman is the older and they are going out and looking for younger men. Well, I don't, I've never heard of a Ben 10, but uh, I've heard of cougars before, you know. A Ben 10 is a cartoon, so I guess the... Oh, okay. <laughs> I've never seen that either, so... One of the things that we've learned is that men use love to get sex. So a man can go into a woman, look straight into her eyes and lie and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. All that for the reason that she may put out. And then ladies would use love, or sex rather, to get love. To say if I sleep with him long enough, eventually he's going to get, fall in love with me. But if sex produced love, no one would feel more love than prostitutes. Yet prostitutes have among the highest rates of suicide. So think about that. And the fact of the matter is you have to also understand that Men that seduce women use words. They promise and they tell you, I love you and I, I need you and I want you. And, 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 and that may all be, there may be truth in that. But the fact of the matter is, women guard your hearts because men, although they use words, are interested in sex. And they'll do anything to have their need met. And we have to be very, very wise and very, very careful. Women know that what attracts a man is looks. Men are attracted by what they see. So that's why it's important that women of God dress modestly. 
Why? Because unless you want to be used and lusted upon, but lust will not produce a great marriage, I can tell you right now, but real love will. You know, technology is playing its part. Technology is amazing, but also, how many of you remember this phone? I owned one of these. The Nokia 5110. It was an amazing phone. I mean, if you owned that phone, you thought you had the best phone in town. I, I had one. You could change. Remember, you could change that face. I put a red cover on it. It was amazing. The only disadvantage with this phone is that you couldn't get onto internet. But in the time when we had it, we thought it was the best. Well, fast forward now, we have smartphones. And here's the thing, with a smartphone with three clicks, and we see our kids, one, two, three, you're onto a pornographic site. And we see our kids, our kids now, you know, we feel this pressure that, no man, my kid cannot, have, cannot go to school and not have a phone. They'll, they'll feel out of place. So we give our kids these phones. But you have kids who now are spending their day and they're looking at things that they never should be looking at. Again, they're allowing things that you your, as parents would never allow into your home. All with three clicks. There used to be this phenomenon, or there is this fear that FOMO, the fear of missing out. FOMO. And I think it's really fed by phones. You know, where you want to check what is this person doing and you go into social media. But now there's a new fear out there called nomophobia. It's the fear of being without your mobile phone. So no mobile phone, no more phobia. See, more, more, I think a lot of us have experienced this because now with Zessa, <laughs> when the day is about to end, there is no uh, electricity. You know, you go to someone's house, the first thing, or you, someone comes to your house, the first thing they are looking at around is, is their power. If they see there's power, they say, hey, is there a plug close by? What's the Wi-Fi password? It's like, you know, those are, have replaced the traditional, hey, how are you, Makadi, and all that is now, what's your Wi-Fi password? <laughs> Can I ask a question? What is the first thing you do when you wake up? What's the first thing you reach for? Your cell phone. Or you even sleep with your cell phone. Okay, when you wake up, I know some of you will say, hey, it's my alarm, I'm switching off my alarm. It's fine. Once you switch off your alarm, then what? You go onto Facebook or Instagram and say, hey, I posted that photo, let me see how many likes. And then you find that there are only four likes. And so from that moment on, your day has just gone bad because you're feeling like, but he didn't like my picture. But he didn't like my picture. <laughs> you know, if only we could send, you know how we, could, we can now send a picture that's with motion? Imagine if we could send a picture and have one of our other senses activated, the sense of smell. Because sometimes a guy can send a girl the most sweetest of messages while they're sitting on the throne. If we were to ask you how many people in here have lost your cell phone or you've had to take it to someone <laughs> to say, hey, please, can you dry my phone? I don't know. I dropped it in water. Which water? <laughs> A lot of us will go to such an extent to get the perfect picture, the perfect selfie. Look at that. It gets even worse. Can you see her, her foot up on, on, at the top of the door right there? I think she's a gymnast there because we have become somewhat slaves of our cell phones. Just take a look at this. Time for a phone to save us from our. <laughs> well, I know we can laugh at some of these things, and but many of these are really serious problems, and they start 
somewhere. They start in our lives somewhere. We have something called self-medicating today. People, you know, I've, I've had many of you, I counsel you, you say, yes, I've decided to self-medicate. And the drug of choice is alcohol. Well, alcohol abuse, drug abuse is not only illicit and illegal drugs, not only is it something that we're having that's now become chronic in our society, it's something that has become epidemic in people's lives. Alcoholism, drug addiction, drug abuse, both prescription and non-prescription drugs, and it's becoming a real, real problem. The church, we have a stand on alcohol. We prefer you not to drink alcohol. Why? Because in a society that abuses alcohol, we need to take a stand somewhere. Many of you grew up where alcohol, especially beer, was part of the rituals inside of your religion, your ancestral religion. And because of that, you know, you call it culture, but it was a, it's, a, it's a form of religion, it's a form of worship. And because of that, when you got born again, you cut alcohol out of your life. Well, more and more, we're having alcohol and alcoholism creep back into the church of Jesus Christ. Because people, and it's destructive. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying families. It's expensive. It's very costly. And I think that we have to take a look at it. I think we have to be very, very careful. Zimbabwe, uh, I, 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 I don't enjoy going to sporting events here. I used to go, but now the people are all drunk in the stands. It's, it's not, I mean, cricket is in the stands. and it's, it's more enjoyable watching that than the cricket because the guys are falling out of the stands. And, and I think we need to be aware, and I think it's important that as families, you have the conversation about the role that alcohol is, is or isn't going to play in your lives. Now, there's different, like Pastor mentioned, that there's alcohol that's ripping our society apart. There are certain uh, drugs, tablets called makabi, you know, as in, you know, makabira, like you swallow them, right? <laughs> then there are these ones called uh, madimbari because they are blue pills. So they steal them from um, some psychiatric wards and then they pop them, they drink those. There's bronco, we know bronco, right? Uh, cocaine, you know, the thing about cocaine is that when, you're, when our, you know, the youngsters go out to a club, what the drug dealers are doing in Zimbabwe is that they will give you the first dose free. So they entice you by giving you a first dose free. But after that, they're now charging you $100 a gram, $100 US a gram. So what's happening is that they will give it to you for free and say, just take it, just try it, just try it. But once you take it, then that's their way they get you hooked. We've got uh, Mary Jane, you know, that's the other name for, for Mbanje. We've got Lean, we've got LCD, X, Ecstasy. Uh, meth, you know, I read an article yesterday actually that there's a couple that was caught with a package that contained two kilograms of meth. It was in between um, weave. They, they imported weaves and had the, the meth uh, put in the weaves. Two kgs caught in this nation last week. And then there's this drug called Nyaope. Anyone know about Nyaope? So Zimbabweans, I mean, basically people are very intelligent. You know, they, they can do some titrations, they can take some burets, pipettes, and make some concoction. And so what has been made is a concoction of nyaope, which is a, a trace of meth, but it is a rat poison and a detergent. So imagine, guys, if we took meth, put rat poison, and a detergent jig, I think we'll get high. So nyaope is another one that is causing problems. And first links, I see you're holding your phone. You want to send yeah, me something? I'm actually there? sending you something via Bluetooth. All right, let me just turn on my Bluetooth. Just check it out. You know, and you know what, as you, as you see, look for that file, you know, I always thought Bluetooth was simply just that process of sending a file from one person to another through technology. But there's now a new phenomenon called Bluetooth. Take a look at this video. Shocking revelations have emerged of how Neope drug addicts share blood to get high. The new craze called Bluetooth is fast gaining popularity in townships. SABC News filmed three young men who've been hooked to the dangerous narcotic concoction for years. It's a life on the edge. Uh, 
Feeding their Nyape addiction of more than 14 years. And it's now reached even more dangerous levels. got HIV infection, but it seems the itch for a fix outweighs the risk of HIV infection and other diseases. For these addicts, the gamble is not too big. I'm going to do anything to feed my addiction. After years of smoking the drug, it no longer gives them the desired kick. Incessant injections eventually cause veins to collapse. And medical experts have now warned about the deadly consequences of what's commonly referred to as Bluetooth. Chris Alda Lewis, SABC News, in Soshanguve. So how this works is that you saw the three guys there. The guy with the money. You know, if you are the guy with the money, you're the one who gets the first uh, injection. Now, the other guy can have needles because what they're doing is that they go into hospitals, clinics, and then they will steal the sharp tins. You know, the tins, the bins that they put, put all the sharps? They will steal those. They will go, they will boil them and put a little bit of jeek in the water to almost sanitize them or, you know. <laughs> then the guy is second. If you're the one with the needle, you're second. And then the guy who's just you know, stringing along with nothing, you get lost. But the effects of these are, are immense. It's, 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 I'm sure a lot of you have been walking or driving past someone and you find someone lying in the sun. You know, they call it kustika. It's, you know, it's like wagastika. They say that the position that you, dr you get drunk in is the position you remain in until you get a little bit sober. But the interesting thing about some of these drugs is that, or these, these alcohols that cause this, is that when you wake up, you're sober but you're thirsty. The moment you drink water, it's game on. Again, it starts again. Some of the other uh, effects of these drugs are memory loss. <laughs> there's the short term where you actually forget what you did last night. But there's also a risk and a danger of more lasting um, damage. Here's some images. You can see February 2005, December 2005. Just the deterioration, drug use. Here's another one. In seven years, you can see the difference. Just keep going. 1997, 2007. And last but not least, this is four years difference. And so we see that there is this effect, that drugs don't just, you know, there's actually a physical effect on us when we use these drugs. And some of these drugs, like you're saying, the, the concoctions that are going in there are harmful to our bodies, Pastor Tom. It's true. So... Why are we doing this today? Why are we talking about this? Because in Zimbabwe now, our children can't get jobs. Our young people in the high-density suburbs are being hooked on drugs. Unscrupulous businessmen, politicians, are behind an addiction that we've never seen in our country before. We have people dying. Last Sunday night, we had a, uh, at, at church, one of the testimonies was of a young girl whose brother got hooked on drugs right here in Zimbabwe. Now, folks, this never used to be a problem in Zimbabwe. Drugs addiction, alcohol addiction, pornography addiction, cell phone addiction. Addictions are addictions. And they lead you to a place that you are no longer in control. You've lost self-control. And God wants to liberate us. He wants us to be free. He wants us to have determination. He gave you the ability 
to choose, to have free will. The scripture says this. It says in Galatians 5 and verse 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, and I also tell you in times past, that those who do and practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yet there's hope for us. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. James tells us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And, I, and then First uh, Corinthians uh, says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it. Get rid of sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Why is it that people are starting abuse? Why people get involved in this? Well, you must be very, very sore inside. There must be a lot of pain if you're trying to cover up using alcohol and drugs. It's not social use. It's to cover up the pain. Or you are being ensnared and trapped. Our young people... We send them to nightclubs, and like they said, we're having an epidemic of people using drugs now because they get the first shot, the first uh, snort free, the first tablet free. We need to know where our children are going. We need to have the conversation. We need to drug-proof our children. They're curious. They're going to try stuff. We need to help them. Parents need to talk to their children. We need to know what's happening. We need to spend time with our children. It's hard to have these conversations, but we're kicking it off today in church. It's time to go at lunchtime and say, hey, we need to have a talk. Not to condemn our children, but to say, hey, how do we help you? How do we walk in a way that we protect you? How do we walk in a way that, hey, you're still alive five years from now, ten years from now, that this stuff doesn't kill you? And then we also need to understand that if you're caught up in this lifestyle, if you are addicted, if you are having these problems, hey, we understand we live in an addictive society and Jesus is here to heal you. Jesus is still the answer. Jesus and the strength of his grace and the strength of his anointing and his power, the power of the Holy Spirit can set you free. You can be delivered from these sicknesses and these diseases. That's why you need a pastor. That's why you need a church. That's why we need to build community. You know, it used to be that we did life together. We had friends. We had families that would watch out for each other. I'm shocked at how many people don't have friends. They've never built anything. And they're out there fighting these battles alone. I want to encourage you, sell life. The cell life of the church is where real life takes place. It's not another meeting to go to. It's where you get to know people and you really do life together. You raise your children together. You, you, you make friendships. And, hey, it's not easy raising friends. It's not easy having relationships. People do things in relationships and they'll disappoint you. Hey, what, what's going on? I, I thought we... Guess what? That's when you stick in, you work through, you work through issues together because we're meant to do it together. We're meant to have life together. There is a redeemer. There is a redeemer. And, and, and you know, one of the phenomena that we're facing as a church now is how many people are committing suicide. Not just in the church. We've had a few in the church. But how many are committing suicide outside the church? Suicide is becoming an option now for people. People are opting out of life because for whatever reason. Let me tell you something. No matter how bullied you became, your life, you can get through the bullying. We'll get you through that. There are people that will stand with you. No matter how bleak it looks. Life is better than death. Run to your friends. Run to the church. And let's get you through it. Don't commit suicide. 
I can't tell you how many times we've spoken about suicide in church. And after the service, somebody came and said, I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking about committing suicide. I was so depressed. I, I, I'm out of control. We started this message today with the person who can have a spirit of self-control, can control their own spirit, their own soul, is like the person who can win or control a city. As we close the message today, and we're done, I'd like you to consider yourself. We have an altar. Today at the, we're going to have one more skit. At the end of the skit, there will be people at the altar. Some that will be willing to pray with you. Some will be able to talk to you, direct you. Some of you need professional counseling. Some of you need pastoral counseling. Some of you just need a friend. Some of you know somebody that needs help. You need to get that information. Some of you want to just pray for a loved one or a family member. Whatever you need today, don't leave church today without saying, hey. Some of you need to come to the altar and just say, hey, would you just give me the strength to talk to my family? I'm going to pray today that I get the strength just to talk to my family. Others of you are lost. You're lost. You're lost in a sea of addiction. And you need Jesus. Only Jesus can set you free. Whatever your need today, at the end of this last skit, you'll know what to do. Make your way to the altar. We'll pray with you. God bless you. not hidden there's never been a moment you were forgotten you are not hopeless though you have been broken your innocence stolen I hear you whisper underneath your breath I hear
So Jesus is here to rescue all of us. Amen. Every one of us needs rescuing sometime in our life. If you've never met Jesus, today's a day that you can give your life to Christ. He's here to rescue you. If you're dealing with an addiction, today's the day. The Bible says today if you hear his voice, today, don't harden your heart as in the day of provocation. Come to him. Today if you're struggling in your home, in your family, today if you know someone who's struggling, let's break the back of this thing. We have some pastors, some of our young people, an army. Come. Maybe you say, hey, I, you know, I don't really need to talk to somebody, but I do need to deal with my heart. And you just want to come and kneel at the altar. Just come. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.